Good morning and welcome to Renewal Church, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you to those of you who are watching us online. Hey, listen, before we get started today, I need everybody to do me a quick favor because everything is touchless and contactless. I need you to pull out the card that you were handed when you came to the service today. Or if you're watching online, I need you to go to renewalchurchboston.com connect. And this card is going to take you to renewalchurchboston.com connect. Now, if you have the app, you can just open the Renewal Church Boston app and it has everything you need to for worship today. It's got the song lyrics in it. It's got the teaching notes in it. It's got a link to give and it's got the online connection card. And all of that's going to be helpful as we move through the service today. So make sure and take just a second now and pull that up so that when you need it during the service, you have it. That's renewalchurchboston.com connect. Now, today's going to be a great service. We're talking about living open-handed. I've developed this co conviction over the years that basically everything God gives to us, one day we're going to give away. There's very few things that we hold on to forever. Most of the things in this life that we get pass right through our hands, through generosity. So today's service, I hope, is going to be an encouragement to you. Dusty has a couple songs for us. A little bit, little bit later in the service, I'm going to share with you how much money I make, so that's going to be interesting. And we're going to talk about open-handed living. So I'm going to pass it off to Dusty now, and we're going to start to worship together. Morning, everybody. So, yeah, like Pastor Jerry said, we're going to be talking about um, living open-handed, living um, with generosity. Because um, when we when we live like that, we live unrestricted and um, like we have the ability to, to develop and deepen our relationship with God through the generosity that we show because everything that's been given to us isn't ours, it's been given to us. So we should be living freely able to give back and to give um, generously. So this morning let's think about how we can live this generous life as we worship. Sweet. 
you that would live in your king Jesus you're the king on the throne thank you for the way you always loved me now I get to love you God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. God, I thank you that we can finally get together in person and be together as a family here. God, I pray this morning as Pastor Jared shares that you open our hearts to hear and our minds to understand. And God, I pray that you help us to apply the things that we learned today um, to our futures. And God, help us to live open-handed because everything that we have has been given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Heather, you want to come up? Thank you. You may be seated. Welcome to Renewal Church. We are so glad that you are here, either joining us online or in person. If you are here, go ahead and pull out this card that Pastor Jared talked about earlier. There's a QR code on there. Scan that. It has all the links for the services that you need today. It has the notes. Um, giving options, the connection card where you can put in prayer. If you're online, go to renewalchurchboston.com connect, and that has the same stuff on there. Um, I wanted to tell you about Next Steps. It is a four-week experience happening right after the service, um, starting September 13th. It's how you get connected with a few people, hear from Pastor Jared, get a lot of questions that you have answered about groups or getting involved here at Renewal. Um, you don't have to come all four weeks. You can kind of show up here and there while you're available. But um, definitely sign up today. There's a way to sign up on your connection card. And um, if you only have just time to show up for one thing, either the service or the next steps, go ahead and come to the next steps. It is that important. And uh, Pastor Jared is just really encouraging anyone who's new or newish to renewal to come to that. So uh, we'd love to have you sign up for that. Let's go ahead and pray and get ready for um, Pastor Jared to come up and talk about generosity. Dear God, we thank you that you are the ultimate example of being generous in the whole being that you are, God. And through that, we can learn how to be more generous people, that we can live with our hands open, with our lives, with our resources, with anything it is that you have given us, that we will be generous people and show the world what you are like and what your heart is like, God. I pray that you will give us the ears to hear and the hearts to change parts of our lives that need to um, live or look more like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Here's Pastor Jared. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here today at Renewal Church, and thank, thank you to those of you who are watching Online, We know that a lot of people watch online before you come in person, so we're looking forward to having you live in Boston Common. And make sure that you've got the teaching notes pulled up on RenewalChurchBoston.com slash connect. Now, I wanted to start today by telling you a story from a friend of mine told me uh, last week. His name was Pastor Larry, and he was the pastor of a large church in Fort Lauderdale. And Pastor Larry was doing a building campaign. It was a major, it was a major church, and so they were trying to do an $11 million building project. 
and a man who didn't go to his church called him up on the phone and said, hey, Pastor Larry, can you come by my office? So Larry comes out to his office. And when he gets there, the man says, hey, do you remember the first time we met? Pastor Larry says, yeah, I remember that. We met at a bagel place and you forgot your wallet. So I had to buy your breakfast that morning. You were a total deadbeat and I bought you your bagel. And the man said, yeah, Pastor Larry, that's the truth. It's time for me to pay you back. And he pulled out a check. He said, now, before I give you this check, I want you to know the real reason that I'm giving this to you. And it's not about the bagel. When I was a child, my parents were immigrants to the United States and we were very poor and my dad was working on a ladder and he fell off the ladder and he was seriously injured. He had to spend three months in the hospital and my mother was home watching us children. So we didn't have any money. We didn't have any food and we couldn't pay our mortgage on our house. But someone from your church 30 years ago brought groceries by our house every week and paid our mortgage for three months so that my family wouldn't lose our house. And it's time for me to pay that back. And with that, he slid a check across the table for $650,000. Now, if you think about what that person from the church did for their family 30 years ago, it probably cost about $6,500 for three months of rent and some groceries. And God multiplied that 100 times over. You know, today we're talking about open-handed living because I've grown in this conviction over the course of my life that you cannot outgive God. That no matter what you give, God is more generous still. That no matter what you put in his hands, he can multiply it. That when you live with open hands, God takes what you give, he multiplies it, and he gives it back so that you can be even more generous. And I believe that this happens in your life and my life. I also believe this works with churches too. When churches are generous, God takes what you give and he multiplies it and then he gives it back. And when you choose to live with generosity and with open-handed living, your faith grows tremendously because you watch God multiply and give back what you have given. Now, we're talking about generosity at a church today. So here's what I know for a fact. Some of you have a hang up about this. And listen, I get it. You've probably been given ample reason to be suspicious when churches talk about generosity. So I'm gonna let you off the hook today, but not all the way. Here's what I'll do. If you have a hang up about this because maybe our organization hasn't earned your trust yet or I haven't earned your trust yet, then I would say this, don't give to our church. I'll just let you off the hook with that right now. But here's the thing, I'm not gonna let you off the hook when it comes to generosity because we all need to grow as generous people and you wanna grow as a generous person, right? So I would say this, give somewhere else. Give somewhere else to an organization that has earned your trust. But today we're talking about growing as a generous person so that your soul expands and enlarges over time. Because if you're solely focused on accumulation, it is damaging to your soul. But if you live a generous life, your soul tends to grow. So I hope that you'll turn with me in your Bible today to 2 Corinthians. It's also in the teaching notes. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And there's a passage here about generosity and about giving. And we're going we're gonna to think not just about our own personal generosity, but also the role of the church. Because we're in a series called This Is What We Do, which is all about what makes renewal a unique place in the kingdom of God. We are developing urban professionals to impact global cities for Christ. 
And we, we, we kind of realized this at our church over the years. We've been here for around seven years that most people have one of three outcomes when they come to our church for a while. You're either going to go big, you're going to go long, or you're going to go home. Going big means you'll probably move away to one of the other global cities of the world, whether it's London or Johannesburg, or you're going to move to Indonesia, or you're going to move to Amsterdam. That's going big. And we want you to be prepared for that. Some of you are going to go home. You're, you're from a small town somewhere. And after your time in the city, you're going to go back to those people who raised you. And you're going to go back to that town that you came from. And are you going to go back there with the hope of Jesus filling your life and a generous lifestyle so that you are known as a person of faith and generosity when you go home? And some of you are going to go long, which means God is going to call you to stay in this city long term and invest in others as they go big or go home. But we all have a role to play in this kingdom of God and generosity is a part of that. So let's look at 2 Corinthians together and then I'm going to point a few things out. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11 says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, a couple of things I want to point out about generosity from this text. The first one is this. Generosity works according to the law of harvest. Now, when you and I make decisions about our finances, we don't usually make decisions according to the law of the harvest. We make decisions according to the laws of accounting because that's how money works, right? Money works according to accounting, credits and debits. And so oftentimes when we're thinking about generosity, we think if I give it, I won't have it anymore. If I give it, will I be able to send my kids to their orchestra program? Will I be able to go on my anniversary trip? Will I be able to take the vacation that I wanted to take? Will I be able to have the experiences that I wanted to have? That's the laws of accounting, and it's how most of us run our finances most of the time. If I give, I won't have it anymore. And it's not just money that we do this with. We do this with our time. We do this with our talents. We do this with our attention. We feel like it operates according to the laws of accounting. Once I give it away, I've lost it forever. But Paul, who wrote this passage, suggests that when, when God is a part of your life and God is a part of your thought process, something radically shifts in your finances. That when you are generous, when you are generous, your finances stop operating according to the laws of accounting and they start operating according to the laws of the harvest. Now, when the Apostle Paul talked about the laws of the harvest, he was talking to people who every single one of them knew about agriculture, but we have an issue with that because we live in Boston and the only thing we grow are the weeds that grow up in the cracks of our sidewalk in front of our apartment. And so here's how the law of harvest works. You, gotta, you have to imagine this for a second. Imagine that you're a subsistence farmer and it's winter and you've got a big barrel of seeds in front of you. Now think about this. These seeds are both the food you're gonna eat today and also what you need to plant in the ground so that you have a harvest next fall. And so here's how the law of the harvest works. I have to take some of the seed I was going to eat, I have to sacrifice it by planting it in the ground, and then I have to wait patiently, and eventually I'll get a harvest. But for every seed I put in the ground, I don't get one back, I get a hundred back. That's the law of the harvest. I'm, a, I'm an engineer by training, so I like equations. Here's the law of the harvest in an equation. Let me make sure I get it right. Sacrifice plus time equals multiplication. That's the law of the harvest. I sacrifice something today, I wait patiently, and it is multiplied later. And 
That is generosity with money, with time, with talent, with attention. So according to the Bible, every time you are generous, it's like sacrificing some of the seeds you are going to consume today because there's a harvest coming later. So just to reiterate, when you are generous, your finances stop operating according to the laws of accounting and they start operating according to the laws of the harvest. Now, here's the second thing I want to point out that's related to the first. Generosity requires faith. Now that might seem obvious, but generosity is one of the areas of life most directly connected to faith. Because here's the thing, if God doesn't exist and he doesn't reward those who diligently seek him, then the truth is your finances really do operate according to the laws of accounting. Right? It takes faith to believe that something else is going to happen when you live generously. It takes faith. But if God sees what you are doing, if God loves generosity, if God loves when you give and sacrifice now and God multiplies whatever you give, then in that case, when you live with faith, it makes more sense to give than to consume. It makes more sense to give than to accumulate. It makes more sense to give than to hoard things to yourself. And that's really the claim of the word of God here. That if you give generously, what it says is, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. There's a virtuous cycle that happens. You give, your faith grows, and then, you're, and then you give even more. God multiplies both your gift and your faith so that you can be even more generous next time. And here's the final thing I wanna point out before we dig into how we apply this to our lives, is that generosity magnifies God. Paul ends the section by saying, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And the reason that he says this is he, Paul was coming to Corinth, the city of Corinth, and he was collecting an offering because in Jerusalem there was a famine. And he didn't want, uh, he was collecting money from one church to give to another church so that no one in the other church would starve. In, in his view of kingdom economics, no Christian should starve while another group of Christians live in abundance. There should be equality between the churches. So that was his goal. No follower of Jesus should ever starve to death when another church is living in abundance. That's, that is part of biblical justice. So what would happen is that Paul would show up in Jerusalem with this money so that people could eat, and the end result would be not that the Corinthian church was magnified, but that God was magnified, that they would thank him and they would praise him. And I use the word magnified on purpose here. Because for the Christians in Jerusalem, their view of God would expand. Their view of a God who could provide for them in their need would expand. God would seem bigger to them, more real to them, more involved in their everyday life. And it's, it's just like a telescope takes a distant planet that's small and far off, and it makes it seem bigger and closer and more like what it really is. The same thing happens with your generosity. In someone else's life, God becomes larger more real, more like what he really is, more present to people. And if you're particularly wealthy, as some people in Boston are, there's an element of Christian generosity here that is different from the world because the way the world does generosity, when you give big gifts, your name gets magnified. I mean, you give a big enough gift, Harvard will put your, will put your name on a building, right? Christian generosity, the, the end goal of it is always that God is magnified. Christian generosity doesn't always work the same way that worldly generosity does. Now, in just a second, we're going to talk about what generosity could look in your life when you leave here today. But before we do, I just want to remind you that our goal is not to get you to give to the church. 
My goal is for you to be as generous as you want to be. And I find that most people have a desire in their heart to be generous. If you're a follower of Jesus already, there's probably a deep desire in you to be a radically generous person because God has been radically generous with you. Living, what I want for you today is to be inspired by what generosity could be in your life. This idea of open-handed living, what could God do through your generosity? Instead of setting accumulation goals for yourself, where you have a number and an account that you're trying to hit, thinking about setting a generosity goal for yourself, where you say, you know, one year of my life, I would love to give away this much. It would be, it would just transform the way you think about money and about generosity. And my desire is that this is the culture of our whole church, not just something the church does, but that's something we all do together, that we live open-handed and generously. So when, I, when you leave here today, my goal is for you to give generously, then wait and watch. Because the law of the harvest means that things don't happen instantaneously. There is sacrifice, then there is delay, and then there is multiplication. So. I don't always give a lot of examples from my own life, but my life has been so crazy this year that I wanted to share with you guys a little bit by way of encouragement. I told you before I was gonna tell you how much money I make. Heather and I, well, I make between what a public school teacher makes and what a vice principal makes. And I always tell that to people because I want you to know two things. Number one, I'm not getting rich off the church. I, 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 I had to sell my private jets years ago. But number, but number two, and more importantly, I, I want you to know that we live like everybody else lives and money is sometimes tight for our family. My wife Heather does some tutoring on the side to make extra money for our family. Heather and I have always given a tenth of our income to God through the local church since we were teenagers. I came to faith at about 17 years old. My Jewish mom brought me to a Southern Baptist church. It's a long story and I'll share it with you someday. But ever since then, Heather and I have been percentage givers. And that's been very important for us. It's been transformative for us in terms of generosity. Some of you are random, you're random number givers. You know, you think, you know, I, I want to be generous. And so you think of a random number and you give that. And that's great because when you're generous, that's a great thing. But I want to encourage you. If you don't know what percentage you're at, it's hard for you to know how to grow. So I would encourage you, become a percentage giver. Maybe that means just figuring out what you give and figuring out what that percentage is so that you can grow in that. But Heather and I have always been percentage givers. But I heard a message from a pastor at the beginning of this year. And he told this story. And you ever, you know, sometimes you hear messages, listen, like, guys, I know how these sermons work. You hear them, and sometimes they're interesting, sometimes they're boring, sometimes they change your life, but most of the time you're like, okay, that was interesting, I need to do something about that. But in the beginning of this year, I heard just one of those messages that got deep down into my soul. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. And this pastor shared about how when he and his wife were in college, he made the decision, they made the decision together, that they were going to give 1% more each year to God until they couldn't pay their bills. And they would just keep doing that. And if they ever got to the point that they couldn't pay their bills, they figured, well, that's where we'll stop. That's where, that's the, that is the level of generosity God wants us to live at. And that was when he was in school and his wife was working to pay for school. They did this for so many years that they got to the point that they were giving away 40% of their income every year. And they could still pay their bills. But that was the year that this particular pastor <laughs> released the best-selling book of all time besides the Bible. And he went from giving 40% of his income to giving away 90% of his income and living on 10. And he had someone come up to him years later and say, hey, why do you think God picked you to, sell the, to, to write the best-selling book of all time besides the Bible? And he said, oh, that's easy, I know why. God knew he could trust me with the money. 
And there is something about this story that just got down inside my soul. And so I went to Heather and said, you know what, Heather, I think we need to give 1% more every year until we can't pay our bills. And so we started in January and it was hard for us. You know, it's just 1%, but when you're thinking according to the laws of accounting, there's a lot of fear that goes with that. We're like, maybe I'm not gonna be able to pay for my kids' orchestra program. Maybe I'm not gonna be able to go on the anniversary trip or the family vacations, which for us, that's not just totally frivolous stuff. It's things that are valuable to us, like my marriage and my family and my children, things like that. But there's so much fear around it. So we discussed it and we decided to choose faith over fear and do 1% more. And you know what happened? Nothing at first because according to the law of the harvest after sacrifice comes patience but before long things started to shift we received a small inheritance then we received an unexpected gift for our retirement then heather's tutoring business doubled because of the quarantine then we got the government stimulus funds and i don't know if you've seen all my kids running around but the government gave us extra money for those then someone we didn't know reached out to me to do a wedding in Nantucket for two nights, all expenses paid, the two nights before our 15th anniversary. I've been in ministry for 15 years. Nothing like that has ever happened to me before. And just this week, someone was asking me about the book that I was, that I was writing and said they wanted to help fund it because they believe in the message. I mean, things went crazy. We were so afraid to give 1% to the Lord and I think our income went up by like a quarter. Because when you give, God gives back, what, gives back what you've given to you so that you can be even more generous. Now, as you listen to that, I wanna encourage a couple of groups of people. First of all, there's some of you out there who say, man, I, you know what? I think that needs to be me. I need to give one percent, I need to be a percentage giver and give 1% more just to test the Lord and see what he does in my life. And maybe that's your next step today and you can put that on the online connection card. We have some resources to send you. But there's also those of you who are out there, and I know this, that you're like, hey, Pastor Jared, good for freaking you, but my life has sucked this year. You know, it's like you lost your job. You, you, you know, it's like you've been using your emergency savings, or maybe you didn't have emergency savings. It's just been a hard year for you. And if that's you, I just want you to know that most years of my life are not like this, that I know what it's like to struggle, that Heather and I were percentage givers. We gave 10% during the years when I owed more taxes than I thought I would that we were percentage givers during the year when I worked Uber to try to make ends meet and try to, try to, try to bridge the gap between our expenses and our income. That, that we, were, we were percentage givers back when I, I tried to start a small business that just utterly failed because I was just trying to do something different for our family. And so it's not a promise that God always fixes all of your financial problems, but, he, but here's what it is. If you are struggling financially, here's what I know you need God in your finances. <laughs> you know, if, if you are struggling financially, you need God to be involved in your finances. And, and the, the only way I've ever found to invite God into your finances is by giving generously. And so it's just as important when you're struggling as it is when you're blessed. So when you leave here today, my goal is for you to give generously, to wait patiently, and to watch. Now, I wanted to share with you today that this is not just a personal thing. This is a thing that our church believes too. Because as we, as we develop and prepare urban professionals to impact global cities for Christ, our church has decided that we are going to live open-handed. 
I mean, we helped Jay Mudd start a church. He's a pastor. We helped him start a church in Natick. This is when we didn't have any money. So we, we rallied the other church planners together. I sent out an email, and in one week, we'd raised $13,000 to help Jay start a church in Natick. We helped Rob Connolly start a church. He's starting in Brockton in September. We helped Simon Sims start a church. He's, he's starting this fall as well to, to reach Cambodians and other people in the city of Lynn. We give to Grace So Amazing Ministries as a church, and they, they started an orphanage for special needs orphans. But the hardest one for us was starting Kings Hill Church in Mission Hill. A few years ago, Pastor Jonathan Mosley was at our church on staff, and, we, and he, wanted, he had this vision to go start a church in Mission Hill for the neighborhood. And so we said, all right, we're behind you. No matter what, we're behind you. And our church was very small at that point. And he took about a dozen people from our church to go. And it was scary. It was, a, it was one of those decisions where we had to decide whether it was going to be fear or faith. Because those people were hands that were helping serve at the church and make everything happen. Those people were giving to support the work of our church. But we knew that God was in it. And although it was scary, we said, go. And it hurt like crazy. But today, there's a church in Mission Hill. And they're gonna be meeting outside at a park next week, sharing the hope and freedom of Jesus with people in Mission Hill. And then God did replace those people at our church because you can't outgive God. And we never ran out of money. We were, I mean, we ne he never failed to provide for us financially. And so when we live open-handed, we operate according to the law of the harvest, whether it's you personally or the church. Now, as we end our time here today, I wanna to talk to those of you who struggle with generosity. And I know because it's a, it's a struggle in my heart sometimes too. But one reason it might be difficult to be generous is if you don't have a relationship with God. If you let your net worth determine your self-worth, generosity will be almost impossible for you. If you let money tell you whether you're a success in life, then it'll be so difficult to let it go because you'll, be, you'll feel like you're trying to let go being successful in life. When your identity is wrapped up in how much you have, generosity is always out of reach. But I have great news for you. God loved you so much that he was generous. He gave his one and only son so that if you believe in him, you would not perish but have eternal life. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so your sin could be forgiven and then raised from the dead so you could have freedom and hope. And your identity would no longer be bound up in how much you have, but your identity would come from how much you have been given by God. And if you don't have that relationship with God, it changes everything and creates a new person inside of you who longs to be generous. And if you need that today, maybe you sense your need for that because if you've been living for that net worth, life becomes hell. It becomes horrible because you're always chasing and your money never, ever says you're good enough. Money always says a little bit more. And so if you need rest from that and you need freedom from that, then maybe you need a relationship with God today. So as we close in prayer today, what is your next step? Is your next step to be a percentage giver? Is it to decide, I need to give 1% more? Or maybe your next step is to say, I need a relationship with God to set me free from money and create a generous heart in me. And I'm gonna pray a prayer, and maybe you need to make it your own, to start a relationship with God and put your trust in Him. 
And if God's calling you to that today, make this your prayer. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me as we pray to God? Father, I know that I need you in my life. And I am sorry for the way that I've lived for myself. And I have made money the number one thing in my life. I need to be set free from that. But I can't do it alone. I need your help. I need Jesus. I believe that Jesus died for my sins on the cross and rose from the dead so that I could have freedom and hope and life. God, as much of myself as I can possibly know, I give to you, I put in your hands, I want to follow you today. Would you help me to change and be a generous person and find such joy in generosity that my life turns from being about accumulation to being about living open-handed with whatever you've given me. I put my life in your hands and I pray in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, your next step is to be baptized. You've got to plunge your past to wipe it away. That's always the way that people in the Bible said, I'm going to stop trusting in myself and stop trusting in what money can do for me, and I'm going to live for God. And so I want to encourage you to fill out the online connection card today. The link to that is at renewalchurchboston.com connect, and we will set that up for you to be baptized soon. We have a baptism service coming up in September. But that's all I have for you today. Right now, I'm going to hand it back to Heather as we close the service. Thank you, Pastor Jared. Make sure that you uh, get out your Connect card, sign up for the Next Steps um, experience. It's going to be so much fun. Um, also, it's time to give right now. That's not going to look like it used to look. So the best way to do that is on the Renewal Church app. Um, it's very easy to use, to set up. Um, and we just thank you so much for your generosity. Like he was talking about earlier, all the ways that um, we're able to be generous with the money that you guys give and um, bless other churches and other organizations that care for those um, who are in need. So we hope that you will join us back here next week at 1030. Go ahead and bring some friends, invite them. Uh, we have more chairs and more blankets to hand out. And we are just so glad you joined us today and hope you have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. Thank you.